0: Well, good morning. Welcome to the River Christian Fellowship. I didn't have to run down the hall this morning, so I'm in a little better condition than I was last week. So you can be grateful for that, and I certainly am grateful. I'm Scott Spencer. I'm the assistant pastor here, and uh, Pastor Mike has been out of town for a few weeks. Probably, if everything goes well, he'll be back next week. So we can all hope for that. Um, I'm going to continue a little bit in Ephesians 3 because I didn't quite get to finish up what I was saying. And so I'm going to start with the 17th verse. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with, with the fullness of God. Lord God Almighty, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. And we ask you, Lord, that you would focus our hearts and our minds upon your word, and that you would speak to us and, and, and give us exactly the wisdom that we need today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week, um, at some point in my message, I was talking about Paul's admonition to love one another. I was talking about love, and, uh, and I made a comment that I uh, immediately regretted, uh, and part of it was because I went brain dead partway through what I was saying, and I didn't finish it, so it came out really weird. It sounded really weird, and I have to correct that because it's been annoying me all week long. Um, I just, I said I had noticed that there are some young people here, and I said I don't know why they come because we're all old. What I intended to say was we really appreciate the young people who come to church here because we need you, and hopefully you feel loved by the people of this church. You know, that is, that is, uh, that's a goal that I have for, uh, for myself and for this church, and I don't always pull it off i, I don 't always make people feel welcome but um, but that 's my intention and uh, and I love all of you and I appreciate your faithfulness. you know there are many of you here that are here every week, and uh you know that kind of faithfulness is what makes what makes the church and so um, I hope that corrects my faux pas there um, sometimes i I do misspeak and sometimes i don't Say it the way I intended to as much work as I put into doing that, so let 's get into that verse a little bit. Paul focuses upward to the vertical love of Christ, and he 's praying for our understanding paul 's been praying this is a prayer when you read this portion of ephesians it 's a prayer and, and that might change how you read it a little bit, but Paul is praying that we would we would understand. The width and the length and the depth and the height of the love of Christ. Um, he's been talking about loving one another. We're told in Scripture uh, that we will know each other by the love that we have one for another. There's, there's something about love that is uh, um, a little bit... We need to think about love a little bit. Um, you know, there's the t- there's the kind of love that 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 comes out on Valentine's Day, when you go buy some useless thing for your sweetheart, and you hope that she's happy with that. Um, if I buy, I bought flowers for my wife for several years, and finally she says, you know, that is just a huge waste of money. They don't even last a week. I would rather do it. I don't remember what she said, but you know, I mean, it's kind of like you know. Give me the money and let me go buy something for myself, uh, kind of a thing. So that doesn't always work out very well. But, uh, but the, the thing about human love, if, if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, the thing about human love is that it can fail. It can fail. Every wedding ceremony I have ever done, every single one, and I sit down with a couple of, head of ahead of time, and I say, let's go through these vows. These are before God. Let's go through these vows and see what they're saying. And every single, every single one that I do, uh, there's the phrase in there: "Till death do you part." And yet, love fails. Human love fails. And honestly, probably the only way that human love can really work and really last is if both of the partners have the presence of God within them, because. There is so much involved with uh, with forgiveness. For instance, you know, we get our feelings hurt, or or somebody uh, doesn't do something that's important to us, um, and and so we need to be constantly forgiving one another. We need to be constantly looking for ways to serve one another. That's that's the love. That's the love that, that comes out when we have the presence of the Holy Spirit is the, the ability to put ourselves last, the ability to put everyone else ahead of ourself and, uh, and, and to be good with that, to be happy with that. Um, there's, there's an order to things, and the order is that God comes first in our life, our spouse comes next in our life, not your mom not your dad it's your spouse and then your children and then everybody else that's in your life and then if there's any room left at all if there's any time left at all that's yours that's what you get you get to carve out a little bit of time i do it on my lunch break my lunch break is for me my lunch break i I leave this building and I go to a building across town and I lift something heavy. Uh, sometimes I hurt myself. That's just how it goes. Um, but that's my time. That's, that's my time. The rest of the time, it's up for grabs. It's always up for grabs. Now, that doesn't mean that that comes naturally. It doesn't come naturally to me. I have to constantly remind myself that, uh, that I'm there to serve my family. I'm there to serve people. Um, I'm there to do because that's, that's the work that God has me doing is to take care of other people. So, um, Paul is talking about here, he says, uh, being established in love and having power together with the saints, having power together with the saints. Notice that little phrase there together with all the saints. Uh, we are better together. We're better Gathering together, and you might say, "Well, I don't have to come to this place in order to worship God. I can worship Him wherever I'm at. You know, especially up on the mountain by the the awesome fishing spot up there. I can worship God really great up there." That's true. That is true. You don't have to come here. You know, but but uh, we we refer to this as our church family. And you know, if you if you are married to somebody. You know, whether you're a man or woman, if you're married to somebody and you never went home, what's going to happen to your relationship with that person? It's not going to be great before very long, is it? You'll have a much better relationship with your spouse if you go home every night and be with them. Because that's that's what a marriage is, isn't it? Well, we have the same situation with our church family. You know, how can we support each other how can we be strong together? How can we have power together? How can we learn everything that God is trying to teach us if we're never here? If we never come together. you know god God intended, God intended for, uh for uh pastors to equip people for ministry. That's what Scripture says. We're not just here to teach you a history lesson from an ancient book. We're not just here to contemplate philosophical ideas. We're here to equip each other for ministry. And you have your ministry wherever God has put you. He brings people into your life that He intends for you to minister to. You are all saints, as I talked last week. You're set aside for God's work and so what we're doing here is equipping each other. We're, we're feeding, our, feeding our spirit as well. But when we come together and, and we know each other a little bit, you know, um, my question would be, is there anybody Is there anybody that you could pick up the phone at two o'clock in the morning and ask them for help? Do you have someone like that? Is there someone in your life that you could pick up the phone anytime, day or night? Anytime, day or night, and call them. That's the way we should be together. That's how we should be for each other. When you have that crisis moment, and it's in the middle of the night, you know, you've had some of those difficult experiences, you know that the night is the worst, isn't it? So you need to call somebody. Who do you have that you could do that with? So Paul is saying we need to understand the width and and how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ is. And John three sixteen tells us that the love of the Lord is wide enough to reach the world. It's wide enough to reach the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That Whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes in Him. There's another scripture that says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. You know, the bar for becoming a Christian is super low. Super low. Anybody can get there. A two-year-old could get there if they can talk. Um, The bar is really low. The bar when we get to heaven is really high if you want heavenly rewards. You need to have lived your life for the Lord. You need to have put Him first. You need to have had had that order that I was talking about in your life. Where you put others ahead of yourself. You put yourself last. And then the love that is long enough to last throughout time. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, we read, Like eternity itself, there are no limits. Eternity is limitless. You know, there's was one time when I was, talking about, I was talking about the millennium, which is a thousand years. You can kind of imagine a thousand years. You know, I know what... Uh, I'm going to be 60 at the end of the month, and I know what that feels like. <laughs> I know what that feels like. So I can kind of imagine, you know could kind of imagine a thousand years, um, but for eternity without end, that's a really long time. How long is that? You know, you can't really, you can't put numbers on it, can you? You can't put years on it. He goes way beyond years. And that, that, that's the love of the Lord. You know, like I said, human love, natural love, kind of it comes and goes, and and if you've been married, you know, uh, last year my wife and I had been married for 25 years, and um, you know I can honestly say that um, that 25 years has been great for me, but I know that there were times when we were closer, and then there were other times when we were not as close. And and human love does that, doesn't it? It kind of, it, it's fluctuating. It's moving. But the love of the Lord for His people, for you, is limitless. It doesn't fluctuate. It's always there. It's always on. It will never run out. It'll never run out. Love, uh, which is high enough to reach into heaven itself, uh, 1 John 3 There's a reference to that. And then love, which is deep enough to take Christ to reach the depths of the most depraved sinner. A love that's deep enough. Christ's love is incomprehensible. And Paul is praying. Paul is praying here. He says that we may have power together with all the saints to grasp its dimensions, or a literal word, to seize them. He knows it's impossible. Of course, it's impossible. But um, have you seriously contemplated what it meant for Jesus to go to the cross? Have you thought about that? Have you considered that? And then Paul says the little bit about being together. You know, we don't become a Christian in a vacuum. God never said, uh, go up on a mountaintop and, uh, and be a hermit up there and study my word and And then you 'll get close to me that 's not what he said god God sent even his own son into this world into humanity, and humanity at that point in time was not pretty uh, i think I think probably probably the Lord showed up at one of the most brutal times in history when life had the least value. Of possibly all time. He showed up at that time. He showed up at that time because the time was perfect for what had to happen. So we don't we don't we don't grow in the Lord in a vacuum. We grow together. We grow with people. And and what that means is, you know, the Bible says where two or more are gathered together. Maybe you have a friend that you do. A little study with, or you have a friend that you get together and you talk and you support each other. Uh, we have groups here that meet during the week usually and um, and that 's a time when we can get together and we share we share personal struggles, personal needs and and we uh, study god 's word and we support each other and that is a, That is a time when we 're bonding together. We're becoming what it is that God wants us to be. And, um, you know, our hearts our hearts. at times like that, that's worship. That's worshiping God. That's worshiping God. There's one last thing that Paul says about love. And, uh, and it says uh, in verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge or understanding. To know the love that surpasses understanding. It's a little bit confusing because how can we understand love that goes beyond understanding? If we've we've reached our limit of understanding, we've reached our limit, right? But but it goes beyond that. And we want to understand how it goes beyond that. Um, And then in verse 19, the last part, uh, Paul says that he would like us to be filled with the measure of the fullness of God. Think about that. What's the fullness of God? The fullness that that fills God. How can we understand that? How can we become filled with that? If you look at Colossians 1, 19th verse, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, dwell in Jesus. And uh, and then he says, For in Christ, All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and you have been given fullness of Christ. Um, Some years ago, I lived in Hawaii and I kept two saltwater aquariums in my living room and I would bring little things home and I would put them in those tanks. And um, every week... I would drain out some of the old water, and I would go down to the ocean, and I'd walk out a little ways onto the reef, and I'd have these gallon jugs, and I would put them into the Pacific, and they would very quickly be full of the Pacific Ocean. You would say that that jug was full of the Pacific Ocean, but it, did, it, did the jug contain the fullness of the Pacific Ocean? No. No. Of course not. Tiny little bit. There's a tiny little bit of the Pacific in my jugs. That's an example of being filled with the fullness. We can be filled with the Lord. We can be full of the Lord. But the Lord has fullness that is vast beyond that. It's vast beyond that. There's There's so much more. And because Jesus Christ is infinite, and because He is a part of God, um, He can't hold the fullness. But when we dip into the Lord, we have a little bit. Um, we can always open ourselves up, and that's that's a part of spiritual growth: is to be able to open ourselves up to more. We we understand a little more. We are filled a little more. A little less of us is there, and that's always the goal. That's always, we always fight that, is that there's some of us that's still there. There's some of the old man. I mentioned that, I think maybe last week, I said that every now and then, you know, I I keep that old man, I keep the old man that I was, I keep him in a closet and keep the door locked. And I never feed him and I never give him any water and I'm hoping he'll die someday. But every now and then he gets out and shows himself. And I'm like, oh wow, he's still there. And then, then you know, I got to go ask forgiveness for my coworkers and stuff like that, and that's really humiliating. It's probably really good for me, but, but, um, but, w- my point is that we're always battling ourself. But if we're filled with the Lord, over time, that self gets pushed away, doesn't it? You know, there's a parable that Jesus talked about. He said that, 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 um, that a man is like a house. And, and as you leave the house and you sweep it clean and you just walk away and nothing goes in there. Then pretty soon demons come along they're looking somewhere to live. And oh, here's an empty house. It's just like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. You know, it's just right. Well, that's how we are. If we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, something's going to come along and fill it up something 's going to fill us up, and it may not be good it probably won 't be good but if we 're filled with the Holy Spirit, nothing else can get in you know i 've heard uh, i 've heard people say i 've heard christians say uh, you know say something like something like I was attacked by a demon and and he got in you know and I need you to I need you to pray for me to to uh, rid me of this demon and you know my my thought is well if you're a Christian why are you not filled with the Lord? If you're filled with the Lord, nothing demonic can get in. The Lord is way stronger than anything demonic, isn't it? How can somebody who is a real Christian who is filled with the Holy Spirit? How can a demon get in there? You know, we have we have the Lord himself on our side but the key is that you're filled with the holy spirit that you're filled with the lord that's the key that's 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 the, that's the fight that we have as christians and the problem is that uh we get so comfortable where we are and how we are um that that we slip we slip a little bit and uh and then that, gives, that makes us weak. That makes us weak. And certainly Satan throws attacks at us. Uh, I deal with things weekly here. Um, I deal with, with attacks constantly. And I know they're spiritual attacks. I know they're coming from the pit of hell. Um, but but uh, we, you know, here we're tight. We're tight. And we stand with each other. And we fight for each other. And we are usually able to ward off the result of those attacks. But it's to keep ourselves focused on the Lord and serving the Lord. Paul prayed for our strength, our love, and our fullness. And, you know, I I love preaching about Paul because it's like, uh, it is like you've got your heads in a theological cloud. Paul Paul was always sharing high theology. And, uh, and, and, but here he says, here he turns into praise. He goes from, remember he's praying. So here he turns into praise. And he says, now to him who is able to immeasurably, able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout the generations forever and ever. Amen. So the Paul, Paul, Paul is talking about the Lord, about us making prayers, making requests to Him, and he's saying God has the capacity that exceeds our capacity for asking. That's like you can't ask too much of God. You can't ask too much of Him. There's a key here to uh, praying prayers that God wants to answer, and that is if we have the heart and mind of God. If we have the heart and mind of God, we are going to want what God wants. We're going to work towards things that God wants. It won't be for ourselves. It won't be self-centered prayers. There will be prayers that that God can say yes. Yes. I'd love to answer that prayer. You know, maybe you're praying for, for someone to be saved. And, uh, and here's the thing, you know, I have a few prayers that I've prayed for years and I don't see an answer at this point in time. And I'm like, God, what's the problem? and the thing is that i don't know what god's doing god sees things that i don't see and you know maybe that maybe that prayer that i'm praying for some reason that i don't know that i don't understand god can't say yes to or maybe he says yes but not now in time we'll get there. Does that mean you should stop praying that? No, of course not. Keep praying it. Keep praying that. But if you're praying with the heart and mind of God, you're going to ask things that God can answer. You're not going to pray selfish prayers. You know, if you're praying for a new bigger house, that's probably not the right prayer. You're praying for I mean, maybe you got a junker car that will barely get you to work, and you really need a new car, so you're asking God. God, I need a car to get to work. So maybe that's maybe that's okay. But if you got a nice car already, and you're praying for for a Bentley, mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. I've heard of these, you know, some of these prosperity preachers. Sometimes God wants me to have a new airplane. Really? That's kind of a stretch for me. I have a hard time with that one because that looks like a really selfish prayer to me. But if you're praying for your brother and your sister, if you're praying for your family, if you're praying for health and healing for somebody, that's a prayer that is focused on someone else. You got your heart in the right place. Now, God doesn't always answer those prayers, does He? I used to be a hospice chaplain, and I was with people who were dying, they were terminal. They knew they were terminal. I knew they were terminal. We knew they were going to die. But did I not pray for them? I did pray for them. Did I expect a miraculous healing? Not really, because I know that we all leave this world at some point in time. And some of us leave in different ways than others leave. Some of us leave at different times than other times, but I know that uh, I know that God still wants me to pray for those people. And uh, you know, my the most important thing that I did for them was to make sure that they were ready to meet the Lord. That's uh, not an easy conversation to have with somebody, but there's lots of reasons for optimism. First John five. We read, this is the assurance we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we we have what we have asked in Him. We need the mind of Christ when we pray. We need to understand what is it that's important to the Lord. And as I've said before, ad nauseum probably. Um, God cares about people. And God puts people in your life that you will minister to. God puts people in your life that will minister to you. It usually goes both ways, doesn't it? We bless each other. But we need to be together in order to do that. Verse 7, to each of us, to each of us, grace has been given that God apportioned. Grace, grace there means the ability to, to do the job. I'm in chapter 4, by the way. Um, grace there means the ability to do what it is that God has called you to do. In Romans 12, there's this explanation. We have different gifts. It says, according to the grace given to us. So grace there is talking about God equipping you. You know, I said that that what I'm what I am doing is trying to equip you for ministry. It's but I want to clarify, it's not me doing it. It's God doing it. I'm I'm being the instrument that God uses. Um, but but God is the one who does it. It's his grace that enables us to do that. And, you know, you might you might say you might say that is not my gift you know, I, I've I've even said that before. You know, somebody told me I should go out and do street ministry, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I don't think so. That is not my gift. I don't do well in that kind of a setting." You know, so God, but 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 here's the thing, you know, if I'm if I'm in a restaurant somewhere, or if I'm uh, on the street somewhere, or whatever, and someone approaches me because this happens all the time. Someone approaches me and all of a sudden we're talking and, and they are, they're confiding in me. They're telling me things that you normally wouldn't tell a stranger. And God equips me in that moment for that situation. It happens all the time. So even though I'm like, man, I don't do street ministry. I don't do that. That's not me. If I'm in that situation and there's a need, God will equip you. He will equip me and equip you. You know, we were asking for help with our with our teams. And uh, you might say, wow, that's not me. I can't do that. Um, but But if God puts it on your heart, if you come back next week and you're still thinking about that, maybe you need to talk to me. Because you know what? God equips you For the task he's given you, and the time he's given you to do that, it's it's a matter of willingness, isn't it? It's a matter of willingness. When I first started doing this, I'm telling you, I would walk up here and 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 I almost had to have a chair because I couldn't stand up. I was shaking so hard. And, but I'm willing to do it, even if I did it badly. But God has equipped me, and, and as I've let Him work and I've learned to trust Him more, um, I think it gets better. I ho- hopefully, it gets better. It's being willing to step into whatever God has put in front of you. So, the point there is that we receive grace that's equal to the need. And the Lord provides it, so there 's a serving of grace that 's given to us. Paul goes on to say uh, in verse eight that not only do we have a special grace, but our our individual grace is a spectacular grace he says he says, "When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men." If he ascended, that means that at some point in time he descended, right? So he was he descended to this earth, certainly from heaven, and and uh, then when he after he descended, then he ascended up into the heavens to fill the universe. Borrow, uh, Paul borrows a line from Psalm sixty-eight, and in that psalm. God is pictured as marching in triumph before all of Israel after the Exodus. And when He comes to Sinai, the earth shakes under His feet. And then in verse 11, kings and armies are described there as fleeing in front of Him while His people, while God's people were peacefully sleeping. And then in verse 16 and 17, from Mount Sinai, God sets His sights on Mount Zion and He moves with thousands, tens of thousands, thousands of thousands of chariots up the slopes of Jerusalem in victory leading captives in his train and receiving gifts from men so paul takes that he borrows that from psalms and he says he changes that line from giving or from receiving to giving so a triumphant christ gave gifts to man gave gifts to us and it's those gifts are not for ourselves there's a couple of things about a gift. First of all, you don't get to choose what's in a gift, do you? This is not a gift card. This is a gift. Somebody else chose the gift that you receive. The other thing is that when you were handed a gift, what do you have to do? You've got to reach out and take that gift. You've got to accept that gift. So the Lord is coming and is bringing gifts for His people, not for yourself. The gift you got is not for yourself the gift that you got is so that you can serve other Christians, so that you can you can um, um, you can meet each other's needs, you can strengthen each other. You know, I've I've even said this. You know, sometimes sometimes people are hard to get along with. You know, I can imagine my coworkers saying, "Man, that Scott, he's got spikes on his back. He's really hard. To, he's hard to love." You know, um, that's that's how we are sometimes. But it's through the love that the Lord gives us, that we're able to love each other. Because the fact is that some of us are not easy to love. Some of us are difficult to love. But we're able to do that through God's grace and through the gifts that He's given us. So the Lord is is giving you gifts to use. You need to reach out and you need to take that and you need to spend a little time with the Lord and, and say, what do I do with this? And the Lord will give you direction. He'll give you direction in some way so that you bless you bless the church, you bless each other. So Paul borrows that imagery and he talks about the Lord's incarnation, his ascension, his descension. Uh, The fact that, that he ascended to earth meant that he he left heaven right? He set aside his, his uh, abilities and, and everything. He submitted to the Father, submitted to God. He went down, went down into this earth, and then on the cross, he went further. He even went further. In the, uh, uh, on the cross, he, uh, according to Second Corinthians 6, he became sin. I don't know if you've ever read that verse you haven't read that verse, you need to read that verse. 2 Corinthians five twenty-one. The Lord, it says that the Lord became sin. That's how much he loved his people. That's unbelievable. That's why when Jesus was on the cross, that's why God turned his back to Jesus, because sin cannot be in the presence of God. God, God cannot tolerate that and he turned his back on Jesus. Jesus said, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" He became sin. That's unbelievable, isn't it? But that's not the end of the story. Doesn't end there. Cuz the Lord exploded out of that grave in a glorious new resurrection body, says that he appeared to more than 500 people. There were living witnesses to this when Paul was writing this. There were living witnesses. And I can tell you one thing. People would not lie about that because there were other people who wanted to kill anyone who was telling that story about the Lord appearing to them. It's not something that they would lie about. You know, all of the apostles, not a single one of them recanted on what they said, even though uh, all but one died as a martyr. Pretty pretty, pretty horrific death, in fact. You know, you don't lie about that kind of thing. What's in it for them? Nothing. There's nothing in it for them for lying. So the gifts and the enabling grace that we have that have been given us as the Lord feels fit, they're for the church. Now, remember what I said I've said this ad nauseum as well. The church is not this building. This is not, this is not, I hate it when people say the house of God. You are the house of God. God resides within you. He resides within me. We are, our bodies are a temple, is what scripture says. Our bodies are a temple. And so um, those gifts that we got are to, uh, to bless the church. And the church is you. The church is you people. If we chose to have the service out in the parking lot, um, wouldn't the presence of the Lord be there? What if we went down by the falls in the park down there? We had church down there. Would the presence of the Lord be? It's not, God's presence is not stuck in this building, is it? So when Paul talks about blessing the church, that's you folks. That's, that's, that is you folks. So what are some of the graces that he gives? There are five lists, five lists of spiritual gifts. I'm going to just give them to you. Um, you can look them up on your own. Um, there is a list in Corinthians 12, verse eight through 10, and verse 12, uh, chapter 12 verses 26 through 30. There's a list in Romans, Romans 12. 6 through 8, there's a list in 1 Peter 4 11. But Paul focuses on four gifted people who are gifts for the church. He says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. Is that list all inclusive? Is that a, is that a complete list of all the gifts God gives? No. No, that's a partial list. It's a little bit. That's a partial list of whatever gifts God might possibly give. These gifts are, are for each other. And uh, he says that it was he who gave some to be apostles. So we know the apostles were those, those followers of the Lord who lived with him when he was physically here on earth that's an apostle. Um, It kind of bothers me when someone calls themselves an apostle. But I see that every now and then. I understand, I think I understand what they're saying, but it doesn't meet with the definition. And prophets, prophets lived in the time before the Lord. Prophets were forth telling God's word. Sometimes that in t- uh, included foretelling. But we tend to think of a prophet as someone who foretells everything. Prophets were speaking the words that God gave them to speak. And usually it was to repent or you're going to be destroyed. Usually that's the kind of thing it was. And you know what? Prophets were not popular people in the cities typically. Prophets were pretty well mistreated. And sometimes they were oddly dressed. They ate strange foods. Um, They were kind of outcasts of society. You don't want to be a prophet. You know, no little kid grows up and says, oh, I want to be a prophet someday because prophets had it rough back then. Prophets really had it rough. Bible says that in, in early days, God sent prophets. And it says in these latter days, we have the word of God. We have God's word right here. Do we need more prophets to bring new revelations to us? No. What we have is complete. Everything we need to know is right in there. If someone has a prophetic word, I wouldn't just be completely dismissive, but I would be very careful. I would be very careful. For one thing, if God has something to say, where is his holy presence his holy spirit is right here in you already god doesn't need someone to come up and give you a prophetic word he's going to tell you himself and that little thing that we call our conscience that's that's not your conscience that every now and then pokes you like with a with a fireplace poker That's not your conscience. That's the Holy Spirit telling you either to do something or not do something. I learned very quickly that if somebody came to mind, after I became a pastor, if somebody came to my mind, and I've always been a bivocational pastor. I've always worked another job. Um, Here I work at the radio station. Uh, But I learned very quickly that if somebody came to my mind and that thought didn't go away, like I need to call them or I need to go visit them I learned that I need to pay attention to that the first couple of times that that happened somebody died then then I was filled with with guilt feelings because I didn't do what God had told me to do He said go visit that person and I'm I'm focused on myself I'm focused on my job I'm I'm, I'm busy. I'm busy, busy, busy. I don't have time. And uh, somebody had a real need. You know, I, I believe God does that. God will do that for you too. It's, it's people that you can reach that I cannot reach. There are people that I can reach and you can't reach. And there's people that you can reach and I cannot reach them. And God brings those people into your life for a purpose. Uh hopefully, hopefully it 's good friendship. you know I got great friends, um, but it goes beyond that doesn 't it? It goes beyond that because that 's just the beginning so and then the last one, and i 'm going to close with this evangelists and pastors and teachers. you know evangelists are people who are gifted in bringing babies into the kingdom, bringing new life into the kingdom. Unfortunately, that word evangelist kind of has bad connotations because it's been abused. It's been abused over the last, I don't know what, 60, 80 years or something. There are people who call themselves evangelists, who they have, uh, they have healing services. And then, then it all comes out that it's all a fraud. They never were healing anybody. It was all a setup. It was all designed to extract the dollars from From the congregation that 's given evangelist a bad name, but we have evangelist today don 't we? Mike is gifted in what he does, and he 's gifted in that skill, bringing people bringing bringing new people into the uh, into the kingdom and then pastors and teachers and uh, pastors are servants pastors are here to serve you. The literal definition of a pastor is to be a shepherd, to be somebody who walks with you through life. The good and the bad. The good and the bad and the ugly. You're there. That's a pastor. Somebody who walks through life with you. We do life We do life together. Um, The good things, the not-so-good things, Um, but I'd like to just close with pointing you back to the way I opened, which was talking about love one for another, that we focus on love for one another. That doesn't mean that if you see sin going on, if you see something that's not God-honoring, that doesn't mean that you excuse it. If you love them, you're going to call them out on them, aren't you? Because whatever they're doing is going to affect them spiritually. So if you got a brother and, and you're like, dude, dude, you're, you're kind of you're going off into the borrow pit over here, you know, you need to put your phone down and just drive, well, you need to call them out on that. You do that you do that lovingly and and it doesn't mean that you be rude and then you tack on the end in love that doesn't work either I've heard that done No you you come together and you you talk about whatever it is and and you support them in getting back between the lines you know God God kind of this road that we're that we're on it has lines it has lanes And we need to keep it between the lanes. Keep it between the lines, I mean. Keep it out of the borrow pit. And sometimes you get distracted. And um, so loving one another is not that you excuse bad behavior. That's never okay. But you do it in a way that is loving. Not just that you say there's love. So... um, The love that we have one for another shows that we're all Christian, shows that we're all a family. And that's a key part of evangelism, is when people see that. Too often people see the negative sides of church. They've had a bad church experience. That's terrible. It's terrible, but it happens all the time. You know, there's somebody in, in a church who's abusive, or maybe the pastor's abusive, and there's not the love there. And what, what kind of a reflection is that on the Lord? That's not a good reflection at all. So I'm going to pray in a moment. Uh, before I do that, I want to remind you, we do have refreshments across the hall. And uh, you can stay and enjoy the fellowship for a little while. And then after I pray, I'm going to go down right over there. And if you would like for me to pray with you, I would be happy to do that down there. Dear God, Lord God Almighty, we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe that He's our redemption and that we are sinners who are in need of a Savior. Lord, we just give You our entire life and our heart. Today, Lord, we want to leave our sinful ways behind. We want to grow in You and we want to commit ourselves to serving You. We want to know You in a very real and a very personal way. And... Uh, Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for times when we've let you down, when we haven't been the Christian that we should be. And uh, let us know the joy of walking with you throughout our journey here on earth and uh, moving on with you to eternity. Amen.